Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the early morning show with Adam Crowley here, 93.7 The Fan. Hit me up on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. You know the text line, 412-928-9370. And that's also, oddly enough, the phone number. You dial me up, I'll put you right on the air. The early morning show presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84lumber.com. We start with... The University of Pittsburgh, a big weekend, chance to win the ACC championship. Had they beat Miami, they would have been the number one seed in the ACC tournament, but instead they tumble all the way to fifth. They couldn't get it done, albeit in a tough effort on the road against Miami, and now they're up against it. Here's what Jeff Capel had to say after the game. My group proud of my team. You know, they're in there hurting. And I made the decision just for me to come out here because they're hurting. And I want them to be able to be by themselves and to be with each other and to and to, you know, deal with the emotions that, you know, they have and we have for losing this game. Um, again, we had a chance there at the end. Some people giving Jeff Capel a hard time for that. It's not his job to make media's job easier. And I realize that the media is a conduit to the fans, and fans may have wanted to hear from Blake Hinson following the game or any of the guys. And instead, they don't get to hear from them. They just get to hear from Jeff Capel. But Jeff Capel's prerogative is to win games at the University of Pittsburgh and to protect his guys. Now, the argument can be made that when you're having a tough time, sometimes you got to face the music. And I understand where people are coming from on that. Uh, Pitt's players were not made available to the media following the game. And maybe you miss out on a learning experience there where it is tough. And you're going to get up there and you're going to have to deal with tough questions because of where things were for Pitt just a week ago versus where things are for Pitt right now. Pitt was one win away from hanging a banner at the Peterson Event Center. You had to beat either Notre Dame or Miami, just one of the two games, and you were going to be ACC champs. And instead... You lose both games, and you tumble, like I said, all the way down to number five. But Jeff Capel, he knows his guys better than any of us. Jeff Capel knows whether it's the best thing for them or not to put them in front of the media. And I actually respect the fact that Jeff Capel said, you know what, I'm going to wear this. Forget those guys. They played their hearts out. I'm proud of their effort. I'm proud of their fight. They were down in this game, came back, and missed a shot at the buzzer that goes off the front of the rim. They had a chance to win, and he was proud of them. They were heartbroken given the stakes and given the way that the game played out, 
He didn't want to put them out there to deal with the scrutiny, to deal with difficult questions. And if that's his prerogative, then fine. I got zero problems with that. I really do. Now, as for where Pitt sits, they are in a precarious position right now. They're going to get the winner of Georgia Tech, Florida State. Florida State beat Pitt once. Georgia Tech came into the peep and gave them a hell of a game not all that long ago. So Pitt's got to win that game, I think, if they want to get into the NCAA tournament. And it's not because that win will help accentuate their resume. It would lead to a game against Duke, potentially, that would help accentuate their resume. Duke's playing really good basketball now. They won a bunch of games down the stretch. It's a game you can't lose because it will be one of those dreaded quad four games. If Pitt does not beat Florida State or Georgia Tech, it's going to be a difficult selection Sunday for Pitt fans. I'm not saying they're definitely going to get left out if they lose that game, but there's absolutely a chance they get left out. And it'll make Sunday a really tough day waiting around. They're going to have that party where the TV crews will be there. And I know a pit cheerleader, they're going to have their whole pep band and the cheerleader there and cheerleaders, excuse me, there. And they're going to make the announcement on TV, whether you get in or not. And it could be a wonderful day if Pitt makes the NCAA tournament after being an afterthought coming into the year as the 14th team in the conference in the preseason selection process, if they get in, it's a wonderful season. If they don't, that's where I want your input at 412-928-9370 and on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Let's say the wheels come totally off. Pitt's lost the last two games. Let's say they lose their third straight. Let's say they don't make the NCAA tournament. Of course, there will be disappointment because as information changes, so do opinion, so does expectation. I said this way back when, when Pitt got off to that hot start in the ACC. I said, even if Pitt doesn't make the NCAA tournament, it is still a successful season because Jeff Capel was able to turn the program around and make it competitive again. And I wonder if you share that opinion with me. Because now, I don't know. I think you can look at it both ways, really. I mean, I think there is room for nuance. I think you can look at it and you can say, wow, this was a season that none of us expected from the University of Pittsburgh. But at the same time, they had an opportunity to win the ACC. They had an opportunity to win and get into the tournament, and if those things don't happen, it is a massive opportunity squandered. It's a disaster from that standpoint. But from the beginning of the year, I think people would say, well, we're still sitting there on Selection Sunday hoping and praying and have our fingers crossed. I would have taken that. So where do you come down? 412-928-9370 on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I couldn't help but laugh. Our guy Bob Pompiani, he put up a Twitter poll. He was doing his weekend show, and then he was doing his night show that he always does every Sunday, nightly sports call, or I guess it was the number one showdown. He put on Twitter, forget what the computers say, give me your eye test assessment. Which team is more deserving of an NCAA tournament bid, Pip or WVU? This got picked up in West Virginia circles. 
So it's now 62% West Virginia, 38% Pitt. So Bob got aggregated in all the wrong spots. But I do find that question to be quite odd. I don't know why the goalposts have continued to move as much as they have with this Pitt basketball program and this team this year. But I think everyone needs to try to screw their heads back on straight. First, it was, oh, we deserve to be in the top 25, even though a lot of the metrics said that they didn't. Well, then they got ranked in the top 25. And everyone said, oh, they deserve to be higher in the top 25. And what took so long? Then they immediately go out and they lose two games after getting ranked for the first time this season. First time in seven years. And now it's not, oh, does Pitt deserve to be in the NCAA tournament? But, well, geez, who's more deserving? And so the goalposts have continuously moved. And it's a little much for me. Well, who's more deserving? I can't believe West Virginia, they're they're looked at as a lock. And Pitt, well, now they're on the bubble. Yeah. Yes, they are. Pitt has three more wins than West Virginia. Fine. They also got to play Louisville twice, Florida State twice. They got to play Notre Dame. They lost. They also lost to Florida State. They got to play all those bad teams at the bottom of the ACC two times. They should have a bunch of wins. If they took care of business, they'd be in the NCAA tournament right now. You know, if Pitt doesn't make it, there's going to be a big outcry in this town. Oh my God, Pitt got screwed. They totally deserved to be in there. They were one win away from finishing first in the conference. Well, they never got that win. Two times they had that opportunity. If they had just taken care of business against Florida State at home, guess what? Or Clemson at home, guess what? They're your ACC champions. If Pitt doesn't get in, they have no one to blame but themselves. And it's the same thing with West Virginia. I'm not trying to make this a bash Pitt segment. Like if West Virginia, even though they look like they're a lock now, according to all the bracket stuff I've looked at, if they don't make it, People are going to be all up in arms. Oh, my God, they didn't make it. Well, okay, they also started 0-5 in conference play. So you got no one to blame but yourself. If Pitt doesn't make it, it's because they'll have lost their last three games, two of which to really bad teams. That's going to be the story at the end of the day, is a missed opportunity. Now, I happen to think that they're going to beat, whether it's Georgia Tech or Florida State on Wednesday, and this is all going to be a moot point. But what they've done to themselves here is they have given – no margin for error now. There's a ton of pressure on Pitt. There is none on Florida State. There's none on Georgia Tech. Maybe those teams will be playing out the string, or maybe they'll think, okay, this is our path to the NCAA tournament. Let's go on a Cinderella run. But all the pressure in the world now on Pitt to go out there and take care of business against a team that they're better than on Wednesday at 2.30. Coverage, by the way, right here on 93.7 The Fan on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, your Odyssey app. But enough of this woe is me. Oh, my gosh. This team should be a lock for the tournament. I mean, you missed 16 free throws against Notre Dame. Mike Bray was retiring, or, well, he was going to retire. Now he's just leaving. He's going to wind up coaching someplace else. It's his final game at Notre Dame. It's senior day. There's all this emotion. Oh, my God, that's a tough place to play then in those circumstances. you got a near sellout building. Everyone's going nuts. I want to say goodbye to Mike Bray, everything he meant to the program. I know that Notre Dame thinks they got something worked out with the big guy upstairs. I don't think Mike Bray was praying hard and there was some sort of cover over the basket to where you're missing bunny layups and 16 free throws. You want to make the NCAA tournament beat Notre Dame. You want to win the ACC and get that banner at Peterson Event Center, beat Notre Dame. And they couldn't. The Miami loss doesn't bother me. I mean, given what was at stake, it sucks. If you're a Pitt fan, no question about it. But you go down there, you lose to a really good Miami team by two. 
That's going to happen. It's tough to win on the road in college basketball. It's not so tough to win on the road in college basketball that you need to be gacking it up, though, against Notre Dame. And that's what Pitt did. And if they don't make the tournament, then they're going to have no one but themselves to blame because they'll likely have lost three straight games down the stretch. But you talk about the moving goalposts. It wasn't all that long ago that Pitt fans were saying, well, Pitt's playing good basketball now. It took them time to gel. They got all these new pieces. So they sucked early. But they've really turned it on late. Well, now they've lost their last couple of games. They didn't play all that well against Georgia Tech before that. They lost to Virginia Tech the game before that. Pitts all of a sudden, what, lost four out of five games or four out of six games? And now it's, oh, woe is me. They're not going to make the tournament. And it's a crap. It's crap. It's garbage. Well, okay. You said the losses at the beginning of the season didn't matter. Do the losses at the end of the season not matter too? They're going to have no one but themselves to blame if they don't make it. Now, here's the other thing. You win one game, you're in. You win one game, you get Duke. You could beat Duke. Pitt could absolutely win the ACC tournament. I'm not ruling anything out here. I'm just saying the pressure is totally now on the back of these Pitt Panthers men's basketball players. And the pressure, I think, squarely on Jeff Capel as well. You cannot fritter this thing away. You already lost an ACC championship when it was there for the taking. You got to get one more win to guarantee yourself, I think, a shot to go dancing. They need to get it done. 412-928-9370 on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, NFL Combine was this week. What did we learn? What didn't we learn? There is one guy that I think I wouldn't draft, but then I have to draft. I'll explain what that means next. The early morning show, 93.7 The Fan. It's the early morning show. Adam Crowley here, 93.7 The Fan. NFL Combine took place last week. Guys were running in their underwear, throwing things, jumping, catching things, except for Bryce Ford Wheaton. He tested really well. West Virginia wide receiver. Jordan Addison didn't test all that great. Jordan Addison also had to leave early. I think it was his back, a little banged up. But Jordan Addison said, hey, if the Pittsburgh Steelers, they won me. I'm in. Hey, man, if we reunite, that'd be good. That'd be real cool. Real easy transition. Come get me. Here's my deal. He didn't test great. He didn't test terribly. Just not super fast. He's not a physical freak the way that some of these other guys are or have been that have been first-round receivers in the past. But I'll tell you what. Under the right circumstances, I'm totally going after Jordan Addison. We talked about this a whole bunch on the Fan Morning Show. Doran Dickerson, the first guy to bring this up, is Kenny Pickett playing with his former college teammate. And you think about the success that other players have had in the NFL. Think about Jalen Hurts getting his guy from Alabama, Devonta Smith, down in Philadelphia. Famous one, Joe Burrow, gets Jamar Chase, and then they take off. Now, Zeiss on Twitter this weekend, he did make a good point. What, like, if Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase didn't go to college together, you really think that they wouldn't be productive? Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in ball, and Jamar Chase is one of the top five, probably better than that, wide receivers in football. It has nothing to do with them being together in college. I think it helps hit the ground running. I think it makes it easier from the start to play well. 
But I would have no problems at all. In fact, I'd turn a card in on Thursday if Jordan Addison was going to be available at pick number 32 on Friday. It's worth it to me. Maybe he falls out of the first round now because he wasn't a great tester, but at some point, college production matters to me. Now, some guy plays at Western Kentucky and throws for 8,000 yards. I'm not going to say, oh, geez, well, he's the next great quarterback in the NFL. No. Air raid system, lesser competition. They run the ball like two times a game. Eh, no. But Jordan Addison won the Bolitnikoff, playing his tail off at Pitt. Then he goes to USC for a lot of money, reported $3 bucks NIL, and he has a really good season there with that system. With Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Sorry, I'm a little under the weather, so I keep hitting the button and coughing, all that fun junk. A little slow on the get-off today. Not the usual Crowley energy, so bear with me. Appreciate it. If you've got production at the highest level in college football, sometimes you just know how to play the game. To me, tape is always going to be more important than the way that you test. Now, if you test well and your tape is great, okay, it can vault you up the draft boards. But I'm not looking at Jordan Addison any different today than I was looking at Jordan Addison before the NFL combine. I didn't expect that guy to test well. He's not super big. I think he measured in at 5'11". Okay. But I think he runs good routes. He's got good hands. Pitt does not win the ACC without that guy. They just wouldn't have. I mean, you think about the throw against Virginia where Kenny Pickett, it's looked at as clutch. Pickett rolls out to his right. I thought the ball, whenever it left his hand, was going to get intercepted. But Jordan Addison just took it away from the defender. Jordan Addison played a lot of good football in college, and I'm not going to be scared of that guy, drafting that guy, taking that guy, just because he didn't test all that well at the NFL Combine. Now, with the 17th pick, I don't think so. There's two names I have circled at the 17th pick that I would sign for in blood right now. Peter Skaronsky, if he's there, maybe he falls because his arms are shorter. We've always known that about Skaronsky, though. It was the same thing with that Iowa center last year that wound up in Baltimore. Oh, my God, his arms are short. He also mauls people. Like, Okay, I get that there's a long track record of NFL players, and you want their arms to be long, and it helps them with their blocking, and yada, yada, yada. Can you block at the highest level, or can you not? You know, Peter Skaronsky, you look at the sack numbers he allowed, not many, in college at Northwestern against some of the best pass rushers in football. I don't care that his arms are short. But if enough teams do, and he's there at 17, thank you very much. I will sprint to the podium. That's what people say, right? Oh, I love the guy. I'm going to sprint to the podium. Left tackle, Northwestern, Peter Skaronsky, short arms, I'll take him. The other guy, and this is a dude who tested well, that I've loved for a long time, is Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. My guy is a hoss. And he was not looked at as one of the top tackles in the draft. Then he goes to the Senior Bowl, had a great job, at the senior, did a great job at the Senior Bowl. He goes to the NFL Combine, looks really good there. Is he now the consensus fourth tackle? Does he jump ahead of Skaronsky because, oh, my God, the arms? If either one of those guys are there at pick number 17, I'm jumping on it. Now, Omar Khan did say last week that they are comfortable with their offensive line and the way it developed, and they thought it got better as the season wore on. And it did. There's no question about that. But in pass protection, they still left a lot to be desired. Give me Darnell Wright or give me Peter Skaronsky. 
Those are the two guys I have circled. Offensive line, pick number 17, let's go. Now, if neither of them are there, I think it's still too early to draft Jordan Addison. You see if Joey Porter Jr. is available, one of the top corners on the board, because that's how I would rank things here. It'd be offensive line one, it'd be corner two, defensive line. But at the same time, I'm not scoffing at a wide receiver in the second or third round because I want to make, and I've used this phrase before or this word before that I made up, I want to, I guess it is a phrase, whatever, my mind ain't working today. I want to make this offense Canada-proof. And what that means is get as many weapons as possible so that even though Matt Canada is a god-awful, ghastly OC, you can still score points because your talent is just that good. Not taking Addison at 17. If he's there at 32, big time taking that guy. Your thoughts, 412-928-9370 on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Hit me up on the text line, 412-928-9370. Tough weekend for Pittsburgh sports. We'll get into that coming up next. It's the early morning show. I got nothing. 93.7 The Fan. It's the early morning show here, 93.7 The Fan. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Silverado's Colorado's back in stock with a great selection. Stop in and online at sunchevy.com. Sunny today. Highs in the upper 50s. Let's go now to Ted in Mount Washington. He joins the program. What's up, Ted? What's going on, guy? You tell me, brother. Hey, real quick, uh, the Steelers are famous for drafting receivers in later rounds. Mm-hmm. I just can't see them taking the receiver in the first round. Um, oh, I don't think they'll take him in the first round, but I would not rule out them taking a receiver with the 32nd pick in the draft, which, weirdly enough, this year would be the first pick in the second round. Do go on, though, yeah. pal. Well, I'll put it this way. What the Steelers could do is trade down with Seattle to number 20 and get an extra pick in the third round, which would be smart because if any, I don't think those tackles going to be there at all. Uh, that tackle for Tennessee is a second round. He's not a first rounder. I, I can't see him, you know, drafting uh, four tackles going in the first round. Three, that's just absolutely first rounder. You can get better value in the second round, even at a uh, 49 draft and tackle. You might be right about that, Ted, um, but I'll say this. I would bet my house that four tackles go in the first round. Not necessarily because they're worth it, right, but because teams are so tackle-starved in this league. It would not shock me at all that there's going to be four tackles in the first round. But I'll be honest, I doubt doubt it. I mean, three, automatic lock. Um, And also, linebacker. If that linebacker for Arkansas is in the second round, I'm grabbing him. I love it. Absolutely, I grab him. Ted, you do your homework. And I love you. Thank you for calling right. the show. See you, buddy. Love you, too. How about that? A little love? I don't know where that came from. Maybe it's because I'm in need of help today because I feel like absolute death. And so my guy Ted calls in. He wants to have a conversation. He saves me from myself. As I'm trying to now manipulate the clock over here. You don't care. 412-928-9370. That's the number. On Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I believe we are going to see the kid from Tennessee wind up in the first round. I would be shocked, in fact, if he does not wind up in the first round. Uh, He tested well. He had a really, really good senior bowl. And the way that it goes, man, you have a good senior bowl and you're at a position that is a premium in the NFL – 
and you also test really well in the combine, you're going to get overdrafted. Now, I don't know that he's going to get overdrafted. I think people have been sleeping on this guy for a long time. Not that I'm some big-time draft analyst. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm Mel Kuyper or that I'm an NFL general manager, but I've always been enamored by his play. I would not mind taking him with the 17th overall pick, and he's better than what they have. They're going to draft position of need. No question. Every team does. It's ridiculous that I even had to say that. They do have a lot of needs, but I would tier it this way. Offensive line, cornerback, and then defensive line, and then you can even write other at that point. I just don't look at this team and say that they could pass up if one of those four tackles is there. They've passed on tackle too much. They should have taken an offensive lineman when they took Najee Harris. I'm not one of the people who says they should have done it instead of taking Kenny Pickett. I can't get there. But not drafting an offensive lineman then I think has cost them. And Dan Moore Jr., I wouldn't mind popping him inside. I think Dan Moore Jr. has been okay at tackle, but people I talk to who know things about offensive line play think you kick him inside, he might wind up being better there. 412-928-9370 on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Up next, Fan Morning Show pre-show on 93.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 